0: It's starting to freak me out. It's so loud. It's like my ears are bleeding. What am I feeling? Can't look at the ceiling. The light is so bright. It's like I'm overheating. This mind isn't mine. Oh, am I to judge? Oh, I should be fine. But it's all too much. I get overwhelmed so easily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all new episode of Wonderfield Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. On today's episode, I am thrilled to be sharing with you a wonderful conversation I had the honor of having with Anna Papuano, also known as Anna the Anxiety Coach. Anna is an intuitive coach, breathwork facilitator, and specialist in anxiety, moving from fight or flight, and overcoming panic attacks. Founder and CEO of Anna the Anxiety Coach, she runs an online business supporting anxious go-getters with overcoming, healing, and eliminating anxiety. Anna brings a depth of knowledge from her background in psychology and counseling, bringing together the clinical, scientific approaches to mental health from counseling, including cognitive behavioral therapy and assertive community treatment, Along with the collaborative relationships forged with coaching, as well as her personal experience from suffering from generalized anxiety disorder and major depressive disorder after being in a roller coaster accident at age 10. Anna is a passionate mental health advocate on a mission to change the landscape of mental health care available, offering holistic coaching and breathwork meditation. I had the best time chatting with Anna. She is truly a delight. You can follow Anna on Instagram at AnnaTheAnxietyCoach and listen to new episodes of her podcast, The Anxiety Gal, every Monday and Wednesday. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Without further ado, please enjoy this candid conversation with Anna, the Anxiety Coach. Hello, Anna. Welcome to Wonder Filled Week. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I'm super excited to be here today. I really feel honored. I'm absolutely thrilled to speak with you today. I was telling you off air that I have a back and forth relationship with social media, but when I came across your Instagram page, which everyone should be following, at Anna the Anxiety Coach, two N's in Anna, Uh, And I learned more about your breath work and your intuitive coaching business. I was so inspired by you, genuinely, and your work, and it reminded me what a wonderful resource that social media can be when it's used as a tool to connect a community, which is exactly what you are doing. Your energy is absolutely electric, and that's just on social media, so I can only imagine uh, what we're going to feel today, you know, between you and I chatting. So I'm just really honored to have you here to learn more about your journey and your work. So let me begin by asking, what inspired you to go into the field of mental health?
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for such a wonderful introduction. I have worked really hard on cultivating my social media presence. And that was always a big scary thing for me, showing up on social media as well. So that's definitely been something that I have worked on and becoming more authentic online is definitely hard in today's day and age when you're so bombarded with social media but I really was compelled to start my Instagram and start my business because of my own mental health journey so my mental health journey started when I was 10 years old after being in a roller coaster accident um it was the first time that I was tall enough to go on a roller coaster so I was like so confused I was like is this how roller coasters are meant to be I don't know what's going on here Um, But it really set me off on a path of just a lot of confusion. Before this, I didn't know about mental health in general. I went from being a very outgoing, very outspoken young kid that would make friends with any person that I came across to being very withdrawn and isolated. And it really led into a very rebellious teen years. And by the time I was like 19 years old, I was a complete mess. Like I did not know how to look after myself. I was totally pushing everyone and everything away in my life so creating more isolation Um, I was diagnosed with a major depressive disorder as well as generalized anxiety disorder and it just felt like my world was kind of collapsing around me and so I really like made a promise to myself in one dark moment of my life when I spent New Year's Eve by myself I felt completely alone I cried myself like for three hours in the shower until the water was just like so cold and I really had to ask myself in that moment like what do you want to do like do you do you expect to keep living uh if you want to keep living what's the plan like what are you going to do in this moment so I decided like yes I do want to keep being alive and keep contributing to this world but not in the same way that I had been operating it just wasn't sustainable um, so I made a promise to myself, like, I have to figure this shit out for myself. Like, I really have to make some changes in my life. I know that I'm intelligent. I know that I'm resilient and flexible. How can I do this for myself? And so that was why I kind of started my own journey. And then once I figured stuff out for myself, it was like, why does no one know this stuff? Like, I really need to share my message with the world. Um, to help other women help other humans around the world deal and overcome anxiety because ultimately we get told so many times like this is just something you're gonna have to deal with for the rest of your life and that's the end of your story but I'm here to tell you that it's not the end of your story and that you don't have to deal with it for the rest of your life so that was why I got into the mental health field in the first place
1: Wow. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing that because I know sometimes when we recount certain times in our lives, it can be very painful. To, you know, even when you've come so far and you feel like you're almost a lifetime away from that cold shower. Um, I'm sure it's sometimes maybe a little difficult and emotional to share that. And, and by you doing that, though, you're really allowing other people the safety and and you're saying, I, I can be vulnerable and then this is a safe place for you to be vulnerable. So just by sharing your story, you've already done so much. So first of all, I want to thank you for sharing that because... I'm listening to you as a person with anxiety as well. And I'm saying, you're right. This doesn't have to be the end of your story. And and I've gone back and forth in my life. And I'm sure other people who have anxiety have too with, do I want to share this? Do I just keep this to myself? Is this weird? But I really feel like the conversation is changing. I feel like more people are becoming more vulnerable. And like you said, on social media, sometimes that can be difficult because social media is always changing. but. it For a long time, it was this picture-perfect thing, and if we weren't fitting that mold, you feel like you're falling short, but now we're saying, no, this is a revolution, and we're going to change the face of what social media is, what we're sharing. This is what life really looks like, and so I really admire you for not only sharing your story, but to going into this field of work because it's just a beautiful thing to do for the people that you're going to touch and and all the lives you're going to change by the work that you do, so first of all, thank you. (laughs) You're so
2: welcome.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's just unbelievable. And I want to say too that I find it truly incredible when people translate their life experiences into their life's work. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for people who do that because I feel when you when you find your real passion and your real journey of what you're meant to do, it just makes the most sense when it comes from your personal experience, because who can speak more to that than someone who's been through it? Yeah, And so I feel like you really found like exactly what you're meant to be doing. And do you feel that way, that this is what you're meant to do?
2: A hundred percent. It's so interesting. I was having a conversation with my mum the other day and she was like thinking about the accident and saying like, Oh, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And I was like, don't be sorry. Like this is, this has created the life that I am so insanely happy with now. And I've never been more satisfied in my life because I have meaning and purpose, but I've used my story. I've used my narrative. I've used my hardship and challenges to use that as a platform for myself as personal growth, but for other people too. So 100%, I think that everyone has a powerful story. Whatever your challenges are in your life, are your greatest gifts and to be able to use that to your advantage is such an amazing tool to bring to the table and no no matter what space you're operating in, like you can really find your niche and your people and your tribe and operate in a way that feels so good for you. Like you're not pushing shit uphill because you're just in this state of flow constantly. So I 100% agree with you. And that's definitely why, like if none of this happened to me, I wouldn't be here where I am now doing the work that I'm doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things to do when I'm out for my walks is to listen to people's autobiographies or their memoirs on Audible. And I always am so impressed when people share some of these darker times. And one of the reasons I like to listen to people's books about it is because it goes into depth. And that's what I'd like to do with you about your story. Because sometimes it can be hard when you're going through your hard time. And you're like, I don't think I'm ever going to get to that next chapter, so to speak. And so Instead of just like saying it all worked out because it all worked out, some people might still be in the, you know, in the roller coaster, so to speak, and they might be going through their darkest times now. So I kind of wanted to like break apart sort of what it really felt like then. Um, So I have a quote here from you that you shared on social media, which I was just so touched by. And the reason it spoke to me is because when I was reading it, it felt like it came straight from your heart and encapsulated just how drastically your world did change that day. So you wrote, quote, at 10 years old, I was in a roller coaster accident that changed the course of my life. I went from being happy, outgoing, and ready to take on the world to isolated and withdrawn and anxious. I suffered from insomnia, exhaustion, and terrible people-pleasing tendencies that kept me in a constant loop of thinking that I wasn't worth the effort. Fast forward to now, and I would never be able to recognize myself from even just a few years ago. So, taking it back to when you were 10 years old and in the years that followed, how did you work through that? You know, when it was still fresh. Because when, when we get out the other side, it's like, oh, it's great. I found my purpose. I found my path. But Those years had to have been difficult. Did you have a support system in place that helped you navigate that difficult time?
2: Well, I think this was a big deal for me because I was a very stoic child and as such I decided that I didn't need any help I didn't want anyone to treat me differently because I'd been through this horrific thing and I like had these very like severe physical uh injuries so I I suffered from like a bruised heart and lacerated spleen and like all of these physical injuries that really kept me from getting back to like my childhood back to school and I think that more than anything like was addressed first and foremost so lots of trips to the hospital lots of like talks with doctors and stuff but on a mental level it was never really addressed like how does this feel for you not being able to do the things that you were doing as a 10 year old beforehand and so I think there was a lot of confusion to me because my childhood felt like it had been ripped out from underneath me in that I was no longer really a child. I was grappling with these very big issues within my mind, uh, contemplating my own life and how I wanted to live my life. And so for probably like eight, nine years of my life, I never addressed it in terms of like the mental side of things, because it was just coming out in all of these kind of uh, massive reactions along the way. So like lots of rebelliousness, lots of skipping school, lots of uh, not wanting to be around my parents, those types of things like, but taken to the extreme. And I really made sure that no one had an opportunity to even extend an olive. Branch to me. And if they did, then I would see that as like them kind of saying that I was too weak to handle whatever I was dealing with. So I really went to the extreme in like my trauma response in making sure that I wasn't supported by other people. But I think what, like, if I could go back in time, In terms of like the support that we get from hospitals and stuff having the like mental health side of things alongside the physical aspect is so so important like you can't treat one without the other you've just been through this life-changing event and you are just being treated for one part of yourself like so that would be something that i would definitely change but what I did is I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of anger towards what had happened to me, people that had come through my life, things that um, didn't work out the way that I wanted to. So Um, By the time I was, I finished school at 18 and I decided to join a Muay Thai gym, which was like a Thai kickboxing, Um, and I'm a very competitive person, and so this was like the perfect space for me to start to release some of that anger, start to rebuild some relationships with other people as well, and through fighting, I was really able to find a little bit more of assertiveness because whilst I was really angry and feeling very combative towards people, I still very much wanted to be a part of what other people had but I didn't know how to fit into those spaces so going to parties and always just being on the outside or um, going out to clubs and seeing my friends talk to guys and being like what the hell like why can't I have conversations with people it was just like there was just this missing like neural pathway for me where I couldn't quite connect with people because I didn't see myself within them, right? So I didn't have that community of support around me. And when I started going to the gym and started training my body and started feeling really strong and confident with who I was, I started being able to see myself as a part of something bigger than just me. It wasn't me against the world, but it was me as a team and we go to battle together. And that was a really big um, deal for me because I'd never experienced that before in, um, in all throughout my high school. Like I had friends and stuff, but I was very much like not quite within lots of different groups. So I always had one foot in one foot hours ready to run at any given point. If I felt uncomfortable and being put, I really decided to put myself in the most uncomfortable position, put myself in a male dominated sport to push myself out of that space of, um, having one foot in, I really had to commit to something. So that was kind of the start of things for me. Um, I also started to fight professionally as well. So I decided that I would probably need to go and see a psychologist to start talking about my my um, mental health side of things as well, because I was very much struggling with that. Um, I couldn't just be strong and healthy in my body. I needed to be strong and healthy in my mind as well. Um, but for me, I found therapy, one of the hardest things to do, because I felt like I was just constantly going around and you touched on it before, like talking about these things over and over and over again was really just causing this loop in my mind of being like this terrible thing happened to you. And now you're here, like this terrible thing happened. And now you're here instead of like moving myself out of that space. So I didn't stick to therapy, um, because I just felt like I wasn't getting the support that I needed. Um, And as the years went on, when I had that dark moment in my life where I really had to ask myself, like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And my answer was, I want to live and I want to live the way that I want to. My next step was to just Go back to the gym because I'd stopped going to the gym for a while. I booked myself in, I went there and that was the first step. So two days after I had that kind of realization, I decided I'm going to go to the gym and then just see what happens from there. So I started to see myself as spiraling forward. So just taking those little steps each and every day that I needed to. So the Pure foundations of my life were not solid at that point, and I really needed to shore up my footing in the world. So it was exercise, sleep, uh, nutrition, um, the way in which I would stay in my bed all day. I need to go out and get sunlight. I needed to take actual steps to start to feel better, to know that it was actually possible for that to happen. And I think that's a big thing for people in that they get stuck in this space where they feel like this is it. I'm always going to feel this way. I'm broken and I just can't seem to get out of it. You need something tangible to be that light, to be like, oh, actually I can feel better. I can do these certain things. So that for me was like going back to basics, getting my foundations in place, stop eating McDonald's every single day because Mm -hmm. that surely can't be doing anything good (laughs) for me. Like all of those types of things were... Integral in the start of my journey, but I was voracious for researching uh, ideas, lots of different theories on how I could start to change things. Um, so I studied psychology, I became a counselor, and now I'm doing my um, my masters in positive psychology. I became a coach, I became a breathwork guide. Like I wanted to know everything because. I was applying it to myself first and everything that worked, I was like, okay, we'll keep this, get rid of this. I was really just treating myself as a science experiment so that I could see what does and doesn't work and what creates really big results and what creates really subtle results as well. So that kind of was where I started. And for anyone that is in those positions, that is feeling the impending darkness. Having a community of like-minded people is so, so important because The more isolated you make yourself, the more isolated you're going to feel, obviously. But you need people that have also had similar experiences to you so that you're not feeling like you're totally unseen in front of like all these people. Like if you've ever felt alone in a crowded room, then you will know what it feels like when you're like, I just don't identify with any of these people here. Like your tribe is out there and having similar experiences really helps us come out of that space of thinking thinking that I'm the only one this is as bad as it's going to be for me for the rest of my life. And it helps you see the light at the end of the tunnel within other people as well on their journeys too. So that's a very long winded way of answering that question. That's
1: great. (laughs) There's actually a lot to unpack in there and a lot that spoke to me. And and I appreciate again, just your honesty and you being candid and vulnerable. And, and I, I, like a lot of things that you said specifically you know, the baby steps, because I think sometimes when you are feeling that impending darkness, that doom and that this is it, this is my final feeling, I think sometimes people think baby steps are not enough. You know, I'm, t- I'm guilty of that myself when I say, well, that's not going to do anything to just make my bed every day. What is that going to change in my life? But making your bed every day then leads you to the next thing. You're going to get outside and take a walk. And that might not seem like a big deal, but you're building, like you said, a foundation. And sometimes when you do suffer trauma, I think you do have to go back to basics and say, you know, this was ripped out from under me. So I have to start building from scratch. And it might not sound like a big deal to make your bed every day to go out and get sunlight to take a walk to, to learn to find your community and find your tribe, like you're saying, but like, you're, you're the living experience that all those things do add up to very big change. And then you can sort of go in and, and you say, find the more subtle things. And, and it's kind of like, it is kind of like working out. First, you do like all the big things. And then you want to work on honing certain little things and honing and toning things. And and that is what we do with our mental health, I feel. And I feel that mental health is physical health. And it, it, they go hand in hand. And so it's interesting to think that when you were in the hospital being treated for your physical you know, no one would ever leave their physical ailments unattended, but oftentimes we leave our mental health unattended. And I think I'm hoping that's what's going to change, you know, and it feels like the tide is turning with that in terms of, you know, people addressing their mental health and and actually acknowledging that it is part of their physical health. I think it's often difficult for people to do, but I, I think the tide is turning on that.
2: I definitely agree that it is turning. I think there's still a lot of work to do. And I think there's a lot of people that fall into the category that think that they're not bad enough to seek support and that they then end up just living their life in this kind of space where they're like, I don't, I know that there's more for me, but I'm not willing to admit that there's potentially something wrong. And I'm using air quotations for anyone listening to this because. There's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You don't need fixing. Your brain is doing exactly what it's meant to be doing to keep you safe. And as soon as you recognize that, it allows you to actually go, okay, well, how can I help my brain understand that this is a safe space for me to operate in? And it really reduces the stigma because there's the stigma is really revolving around weakness and something being wrong, right? It's like you're, you're not you're not good enough to be able to fix yourself, right? You don't need fixing. And we as humans have evolved to have anxiety to keep us safe. If there's a bus coming around the corner on the road, you need that anxiety reflex and the fight or flight response to jump out of the way. Like you would not be here if we didn't have this kind of uh, primordial instinct within us. So it's very important to understand that, these instincts and these reactions are so human like they've evolved with us to keep us alive so once we can honor that and understand like okay thank you thank you for keeping me safe and thank you for keeping me alive how can i help you how can i support myself how can i make this a lot easier to feel safety outside of just my home or my bedroom or wherever it is it makes it much easier to ask for support and i think we're still, like I said, we've still got a lot of work to do when it comes to stigma and mental health. Um, it is changing slowly. And like, my mission is to just flip the damn script on mental health care and let every, because I think everybody can be supported um, to be the best version of themselves with a little bit of guidance. Um, and it's not just for people that are experiencing mental health issues, but just for mental health in general and for our ability to flourish as human beings. It's so, so important to nurture um, what's going on in our mind every single day as well.
1: Yeah. And when you say nurture, it it jumps out to me because I have a history of childcare and teaching and education. That's my background. So I always think of the children. So when I'm thinking of you on the roller coaster as a 10-year-old child, there's a few things that I want to ask to follow up with that. First is, what would you tell your 10-year-old self, you know, now that you've been through the other side of it? And also, have you discussed any of this journey, I'm sure you have, with your family or and your parents who were there for all of that?
2: So what I would say to my 10-year-old self is that you don't have to do this on your own. Like it's okay to let other people in. Um, That very stoic instinct of me has helped me a lot in my life, but it is also one of my biggest downfalls. And so allowing that flexibility of other people to also hold my hand and support me is really, really important. Something that I very much lean into as a business owner now, because you can't do this shit all on your own. You do need support from time to time. Um, So that is definitely what I would tell myself is like, allow yourself to be supported by other people Um, and that it's okay. Like you will get better. Things are going to be amazing for you
1: yeah now being an adult and you know you've done a lot of healing you've done a, you've done the work and i know uh, something that you say is doing the damn work and you've done it um have you now spoken to your parents about the journey and what you felt then and, and have you like because i'm sure they might have had a lot of feelings about it have you discussed it now as an adult
2: it's really really interesting and i think this probably like um comes back to why i dealt with things the way they did and i love my family so immensely and i'm just in awe about how they handled all of the situations they had two children in a roller coaster accident like no one prepares you for that shit and so it's not something that was often talked about i felt like it was definitely this big thing that then we tried to kind of continue on with our lives and i think that's a very normal human response is to ignore the elephant in the room and just try to go about your day make everything as normal as possible and so it was never something that was really discussed and it was always something that kind of came up in emotional like discussions or arguments even and I think the other day, actually, so probably a week ago, I had a conversation with my mum, probably for the first time ever, like a really candid conversation with my mum about the accident. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because I was probably very selfish as an adult now because I use my story and I talk about it so much so that it feels so normal to me to be able to voice these things and work through it, that it doesn't hold the same emotional weight. But my parents haven't had that same luxury in having these conversations and talking about the same things. So now I guess I find it very, um, very nourishing for me to be able to hold that space for them to be like, I'm okay and I am hundred and ten percent so like grateful that you were there in whatever capacity. Like I said, no one prepares you for something major like this happening in your life. And I think we all handled it the way that we knew best. And I think for them to actually hear that from an adult as opposed to a 10 year old is much more um, deeply felt than anything else because I can look back in hindsight and go so, like I wouldn't like I wouldn't change anything that happened because I appreciate where the twists and turns of life have gotten us. And I think now we can be much more candid and open about these things. Whereas when we were younger, we didn't have the vocabulary to talk about these things in a way that we might've understood. And I think for the longest time, that was the case in that there was a lot of emotions felt on both sides, but there was a lack of communication there as well. So Definitely would am um, open to like having these conversations more and more, especially within family, because it's so important for our bonds to understand that there's like no um, hard feelings towards one another as well. But there's like, it's been a big healing process for me and everyone's been on their own healing process as well. So yeah, it's it's really interesting that you bring that up because it's, it's not often something that I spoke about with my family just because of the dynamics and stuff that were going on in there. But I think... think that's slowly changing too, because I am much more, um, open about talking about my own feelings and own emotions where I actually feel like I have the ability to communicate in a way that's not emotionally heightened and not going to end up with everyone just bawling and feeling bad about themselves. (laughs) Because when you're in the eye of the storm, it's really hard to Mm -hmm. communicate your, your needs and your feelings without, um, as humans, we tend to throw blame very easily onto other people. And that is never what I desire to to put onto other people. So being able to be in a space now where it feels much more natural and easy to talk about these things is really empowering, I think, for everyone. And it cre- creates that ripple effect for other people to also find their voice and have these conversations too.
1: Wow. It's really a beautiful thing because the healing journey is not a straight line as we know, and it's, and it's not a quick journey. And I, it's beautiful to see that you've done so much work but that it's continuing like you said the ripple effect and now because you're here now you're able to be the strong one and have these conversations and it's almost like you have to trust the timing of your life and a lot of times I feel like things that may be considered cliche to other people like trust the timing of your life they might not mean anything if you're just sort of passing through and reading it but when it actually applies to you that's when those cliche quote-unquote cliche types of sayings really hit you because you do have to trust the timing of your life. You couldn't have had these conversations with them at 10. There was not the verbiage. There was not the healing. A lot of, there was no time to reflect. But now that you're an adult, you've done the work, you've done a lot of healing. Now you can continue that on. And that's really a beautiful thing. And I have one more follow-up question for the parents of young children that may be listening. Having experienced this shift in demeanor as a child yourself, that's a very interesting, you know, unique experience. Um, how can we recognize warning signs of anxiety in our children and any advice on how to approach the topic of anxiety with our children? Because it's not really discussed in schools yet. I say yet as a hope, but sort of what, what, would, what would be your take as a child to experience trauma now you're an adult how can we approach and what should we look for so
2: i think a lot of the time changes are much more prominent in children than they are in adults because we're not very good at masking our emotions or what we're doing like if you've ever caught a kid doing something naughty that they shouldn't be doing it's very hard for them to lie about it depending on the age, I think you notice in the way in which they interact. So I went from being very loud and outgoing to being much more one word sentence responses and very moody. Like my mood shifted. I started spending a lot more time in my room and this is normal for tweens and teenagers to start to want their independence and personal space that, but there's a line that you would know with your children and how they're actually communicating. I think those changes Um, are noticeable in that we can see how people talk to one another, how they talk about themselves, if they're talking about school in a way that's different to normal, if they're talking about their friends in a way or less talking about their friends. Um, There's so many kind of subtle shifts, but also not so subtle shifts that we go, oh, maybe they're just in a bad mood or maybe this is just happening. And I think if you notice those changes over a sustained period of time, Even just a few weeks, that is when you start to open up and ask questions about what's going on. And I think in terms of like broaching these subjects and broaching these topics, children lead by example from their parents. You really have to be the one that is talking about what's going on with you to create that safety and create that space that allows a child to go, it's okay that I can talk about what I'm doing as well because if you're not showing them that you want to talk about your emotions, then why would they want to talk about their emotions to you as well? So even just like starting with yourself, because that is a very important space to be like, Hey, I just want to like, I had this argument with someone today. I wanted to just tell you how that made me feel. I felt hate and use like, very sensory kind of experiences because kids were much more in tuned with like colors and senses and so for kids if they don't have the vocabulary around feelings then colors are a really great way so like what does that feeling look like as a color so like red might be anger or sad might be blue or whatever like happy might be pink or magenta like using things that are much more accessible to kids drawing, artistic creativity, all of those types of things can help create safety around the communication but create emotional intelligence about how they can start to communicate their feelings as well. And so I think opening that line of communication from yourself explaining why things work the way they do in your own mind I got angry at you because how and then xyz how does that make you feel or I've noticed you doing xyz this makes me feel like this how does that make you feel like really opening up a dialogue and starting with yourself first because you really do have to lead by example and if there's not a space that is open to conversation and and it's not common for you guys to just talk about your feelings apart from like how was your day good and new like then it's very hard for kids to know how to communicate with their parents as well so I think that's a massive thing and then creating a space that's not about them but it's about you because when something's about you you just want to run away and hide like it makes you feel like you're in trouble like you've done something wrong but when it's about you you open up them to also expressing emotions towards you as well so I think that's a really beautiful space to start to cultivate with kids and having those really open conversations um, that creates a lot of safety around it too
1: yeah wow that absolute, that was just absolutely beautiful because I even with all my you know education in education that's something that you know again they don't really teach you so much focusing on that but it makes so much sense think about it even if you're in a circle of people and they want you to share it's always easier when someone goes first and when you are in that authority child position you know you don't want them to feel like they're in trouble and you do want to say like I'm willing to do this and open up and you are safe to do the same. And I think creating space, I think that's humongous for kids because if they don't feel safe, they're not going to be able to share. And if they know that they can tell you anything and come to you with anything, think about how freeing that is.
2: Yeah, you have to make it as easy as possible for people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I still want that treatment as an adult. So it only makes sense that a child would crave and need that too, being younger with less experience. I mean, I even feel better when, when people do that. If my husband says to me, do you want to cry? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, just cry. It's okay. When you get that sort of green light, I know it sounds silly, like we're adults, we could express it. But when someone really gives you that green light in life, I think it makes a big difference. And you're like, okay, this is a safe a safe place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so shifting gears to present day. um, I'm always inspired when I watch your Instagram stories. I know we have chatted briefly about this, that showcase the beautiful rituals and habits you incorporate into your daily life, like cold showers, drinking salt water, breath work, and grounding or earthing, as some people call it, when you walk barefoot outside. So what are some elements of your morning or daily routine that you do to ground yourself that we might want to incorporate into our daily lives? And tell us a bit about the benefits of these things. I've been dying to know so
2: I start every single morning off with a cold shower and so recently I actually stopped drinking all coffee just so that my sleep would be in the highest space possible and cold shower is like the replacement of my coffee I've been doing a cold shower every single morning for the past since November last year so what it's probably been like four or five months since I've been doing them and I hate cold showers like I was literally a person that was like I'll never do them I love my warm showers these are the best and here I am just like spruking cold showers all over the place but basically cold showers especially when it comes to anxiety and mental health they act as almost like a hard reset and they activate your parasympathetic nervous system they increase your vagal tone so your vagus nerve is a nerve that runs from the base of your neck all the way down to your like gut and it really sends messages to your brain about how all of your organs are doing and they've noticed that there's a correlation between your vagal tone and how positive your mental health is so things like singing humming chanting meditating cold showers breathing those types of things increase your vagal tone and they make you much more resilient and much more um able to navigate challenges but also increase your happy hormones like dopamine and serotonin as well so if you ever want to feel alert and alive and awake then a cold shower in the morning is the best way to do it do that um and there's in terms of mental health i can't even begin to describe like some of the changes that have occurred just in my day-to-day life like getting onto a podcast, even though I'm like very much comfortable talking, it still creates a little bit of nervousness and anxiety. And when I have that cold shower, it's just eliminated completely. Like I just feel totally comfortable, totally alert, totally aware, totally able to communicate. Um, It's like all cylinders are firing instead of just like, I'm not doing all that much (laughs) and so if you're wanting to do cold showers in the morning the easiest way to do that is just just have your regular shower And then this is my trick. I just do it while I'm brushing my teeth in the shower. I just tap, cold tap down slowly um, until it gets colder and colder. So if, if you're starting out, you don't have to go all the way cold and just like shock yourself into oblivion, but you could just try just tapping it down, seeing how cold you can get it, seeing how long you can do it for. And then just practicing that you actually become very acclimated to cold very, very quickly. And so you'll be really surprised how quickly you can increase increase the intensity and the time that you spend in cold as well so I probably have a two minute shower um cold and maybe like a one minute warm shower where I wash my hair and stuff in the morning um, but I crave the cold showers and I really notice that I don't feel that great when I don't have cold showers
1: wow okay I'm glad thank you for being first specific because I'm thinking like oh it takes me kind of a while to wash my hair shave my legs like I've been doing this all in the cold okay so I appreciate the specifics and I like to hear that, you know, it wasn't something that you were just naturally inclined to. It took some time to to grow. So that makes me feel better that, you know, again, we're building those foundations. So you start slow and sort of work your way up. And I can't believe that in such a, you know, a short time, you're seeing such a noticeable difference. And now when you don't do it, you're noticing that you're not quite where you could be. That's so amazing. Yeah, for sure
2: you will see a difference immediately after and i think i noticed i i decided to do cold showers because i was doing ice plunges every now and again and if i was in a bad mood and i did an ice plunge my mood was completely different afterwards so i was like okay like there's something here went away did some research listened to some people talking about it and then i decided like okay well that's how I want to elevate my day by doing something really easy, accessible. I have a shower every day. So what I can do is also incorporate cold into that. And like everything in my life, it's to make things as easy and as accessible as possible. So just tweaking my morning in that way to have a massive impact is one of those easy ways. Um, and I always drink salt water in the morning and I get so many messages yes. about
1: okay i i'm gonna be one of those people i was like i'm saving it for the podcast but i was about to dm you and be like what's all going on so tell us about the salt water
2: (laughs) so so many people like why why do you drink salt water but basically salt is just a natural electrolyte um so we need electrolytes in our body for our cells to function properly for our cognitive awareness uh, for everything to work properly we need salt and electrolytes in our cells to fire properly. And so if you have slept for eight hours, hopefully you've been sleeping for eight hours (laughs) and you wake up in the morning, you have just been expelling a whole lot of air and you are totally dehydrated in the morning. So as people take it to the extreme, they'll drink like a liter of water in the morning. And I just do not have the capacity to ingest that much liquid. So I just made it super simple and I just make, maybe about a teaspoon of salt in a glass and I just drink a glass of warm, salty water every morning. And again, like the, the side of things where, you know, that fatigue that comes over you when you're dehydrated, but you're not even aware that you're dehydrated. And then you're like, oh, I haven't drunk water all day. That fatigue does not hit in the same way because you are actually starting your day off by going, okay, guys, like we're firing on all cylinders now let's do this and it gives your body the opportunity to function in its optimal capacity so basically in its simplest form salt is just like drinking a gatorade or a natural electrolyte Um, but it's just super simple and super accessible without the sugar and everything else that comes with in those sports drinks that we get so that's how i start my day and then i think we talked about breath work as well breath work i do absolutely every morning as well. Um, Again, it's just a practice since I learned about breath work that changed my life. So I decided like, why not do this every single day? And it's just something that allows me to feel wholly grounded. It allows me to feel gratitude and love in the fullest capacity so that I can actually go about my day and support people but not take in other people's energies and carry them around as my own so I'm sure like you talk to a lot of people during the day just the lay person and we can we get everyone's energies that we talk to and some people will lay a whole heap of shit on you other people will give you bad vibes whatever that is breathwork work is the space in which it's like the internal cleanse of whatever you are carrying around and then instilling love and gratitude for all that you do have in your life. So it's the perfect way to start my day. And I definitely wouldn't skip it for the world. Um, And grounding is another important thing that I do every single day, getting my bare feet into dirt and I've done a lot of research, but my brain's just like not, I can't remember the science behind it, but basically the negative ions from the earth, are what we use to balance our body out. And so I just find that you can't feel bad when you get your feet into the dirt, the grass, the sand, anything that connects you to the earth is really, really important because we're so detached sometimes from our natural world that we're wearing shoes or we're inside and we're just not creating that connection between the place that we came from. And so, doing that and being mindful is like a really intentional, mindful practice every single day of being like, oh, just for 10 minutes, I'm going to go put my feet outside on the ground and just feel really connected to whatever energy I'm getting from this place as well. So they're really like my only practices that I do each and every day. And I'm not about doing like really long morning routines and like making everything super big and difficult. I like to make things as small and easy as to do as possible because I'm just like every other human being and I'm pretty lazy and I don't like to do a lot of things as well.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, okay, first of all, I love your honesty because I think when we think of people who do these you know morning routines and everything that you do do, we think like, wow, they have it all together. They must just spend hours on end doing this. but not only are you saying this is quick, I'm doing it for that like you know to do it as easily and quickly as possible, but I love that it's accessible. okay. so you're saying cold water. you know, not everyone will have um, access to hot water, but we can get access to cold water most most of us. And, you know, going outside barefoot, that's something we can all do. Drinking salt water, you know, you're not it's, you're not suggesting these big, expensive things that are going to put you out that not everyone will be able to get their hands on. These are small changes that you're saying in your experience have made huge, huge difference. And even if we take one of these, two of these, or all of these, and incorporate them into our daily lives, we can maybe see what works for us. And it might be different. It might be a different combination. But as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm like, I wake up dehydrated, I chug coffee, and then my shoes are on right away. And like, you know, these things, little things that you're overlooking that you can make these changes in your life. And as someone with anxiety, I'm definitely going to incorporate some of these and try them and just see. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, if you'd be willing to do a brief breathwork with me to show, just to give everyone a taste of what it's like, would you be open to that?
2: So I was reading your question about this and I was like, this is going to be interesting because breathwork is the type of breathwork that I practice is not something that you could probably do sitting okay because it's like a almost an altered state of consciousness feeling that you go into like you're lying down for 20 to 30 minutes um i do a small practice of that in the morning so it's conscious connected breathing breathing deep into your belly so we do a three-part breath where you dig deep into your belly the first breath then your chest and then your exhale so it kind of sounds like this (sighs) So it's even just doing that for a little bit, we'll start, you'll start to feel like physical changes and stuff in your body. But a really beautiful way that you can start your morning in a really energized sense of being as well is breathing. I, I can't remember what this is called. I think it's called the energy breath, but it's a pranayama um, kind of yogic breathing practice where you breathe in when you put your arms up and you breathe out when you bring them down. So as you're going in, so you're doing and you do that for about a minute and then you okay. stop and you will rest and just you can sit and just observe your thoughts whatever is coming up for you I think meditation is one of those things that people are like eh, I can't really sit there for like five minutes and think about things because it just becomes too much That's why having an active, like moving your arms, moving your body when you are breathing is really helpful to kind of ground you, but that will get you feeling really, really energized for the day. So that's a beautiful one to start with your day as well. So I think it's called the energy breath of life and you're doing
1: (sighs) for about a minute. (laughs) So Okay, no, see, I love that because I'm one of those people who I want to meditate, of course, like who doesn't want to be good at meditating, but I'm the person whose mind is floating and I'm thinking about the to-do list and I'm just that type of person who's always on the go. And so something active that gets a similar result is like totally up my alley. So if it's like, okay, this is something that's tangible that I can actually do. It's a physical movement and let me try it a minute on a minute off and just like you said, observe your thoughts. and maybe that is my version of meditating you know like maybe that will be what what clicks for me because there is really no one thing for every person and I'm having a hard I've always had a hard time with that because I'm like wait I'm doing what that person's doing what they said to do but it's just like not clicking for me and it's not until you find your thing you know that works for you so I love it and I appreciate you you teaching us about it because you know we need all the ideas we can get. And that's one of the things I do love about social media, finding people who have the education, who have done the research. And you know, you can, I'm always just like, I want to be a sponge. I want to learn. So I'm definitely open to it. And I'm sure that by now our listeners are feeling inspired by you and curious about how they can learn more about you and potentially working with you. So tell us about your business. What services do you offer? What can people expect from working with you? Tell us everything.
2: So thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I really appreciate that. Um, My business is Anna the Anxiety Coach and I offer coaching and breathwork classes. So my coaching is really done in the Anxiety Girls Collective, which is what I call your mental health membership. So basically my idea is to make people and mental health as accessible as possible. I am not about having these big coaching packages that are totally unattainable and financially out of reach for people. So having mental health support um, through a membership style means that you can come in, you get online lessons and live Q&A sessions, as well as access to me for one-to-one coaching through your online membership. Um, And so it's much more accessible for people without the commitment of being like, oh, well, I have to go to therapy and I have to go and leave my house and I have to go and do all these things that seem totally scary. This is about giving you all of the tools and education and resources along with that next level support within a tribe of like-minded people. So I've really tried to bring all of the facets of healing together um, within the collective that I've created. And the women in there are just absolutely beautiful. So if you are one of the women that are wanting some support but don't really know where to begin, that is an amazing place to start. I also offer breathwork classes every Monday and Wednesday. And breathwork is, like I said, it's an altered states of consciousness experience, but it is one of the fundamental things that changed my life because it allowed me, and you touched on it a little bit there, like the physical aspect of meditation is really important. Um, so often with our mental health, we become disconnected from our body. And so bringing those two things together in a safe and supported space is what embodiment breathwork allows you to do. So They're very accessible as well. Any person can come and join, male, female, and anyone who identifies as anything in between can join those as well. So they're just much more drop-in type of classes to come and try breathwork. But definitely come and connect with me on my Instagram at Anna The Anxiety Coach. I'm super approachable and I love talking to people as well. So yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. This was an absolute blast to share all this with
1: you. (sighs) Of course. Yes, I love it. And and if my listeners want to hear more from you, Anna, you do have a podcast, so they are in luck. I love your podcast that provides pint-sized lessons in reclaiming your brain and overcoming anxiety, which is my kind of podcast. I was just listening. I told you to the one about gut health right before we started. So tell us about your podcast. Where can we find it? What days does it come out? And what do you touch upon?
2: Yeah, amazing. So I run the Anxiety Girl podcast. It comes out and there's new episodes every week on Mondays and Wednesdays. I generally do one solo podcast and then one interview each week. Um, And I started this because I started to find my voice and I realized that I love talking and I needed to stop bombarding people with so many stories on Instagram. Um, But basically, you can come across and get some really tangible tools and activities to put into your life on a day-to-day basis, as well as inspiration from all the amazing humans that I have the honor of uh, interviewing on there as well. And it is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and Amazon Music as well. So, oh,
1: yeah. great. Okay. So, we can, we can, everyone can get it. Okay. And I can't thank you enough for joining me today on Wonderfield Week and sharing your journey and your expertise with us. I feel honored to have shared this space with you and this conversation. Again, thank you for doing the work you do, especially at a time right now where we all need it. We all need that mental health check-in, that reset, the resources, accessibility, inclusion, all of the things that you are all about, and I love it. So I encourage others to do the same and follow you on Instagram at the Anx- Anna the Anxiety Coach to ends A N N A the Anxiety Coach. Uh, your website annatheanxietycoach.com. Check out the Anxiety Gal podcast Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, and I would be honored if we ended today's episode with you having the final word. You're a very inspirational person. I feel honored to have shared this and I would just love for you to leave us with a message. It can be anything you want.
2: Thank you so much, Caitlin, for your time today. I appreciate you so damn much. Um, For anyone who is feeling less than, not worthy, less than enough for anything that you are facing, I want you to know that you are resilient, flexible, creative and intelligent and more than capable of creating the life that you want. Sometimes it is just allowing yourself and someone else to be in that space to guide you towards the doorway, towards the light. So just know that you are never alone when you are in my tribe. You are never alone when you are a human being and we are all experiencing ups and downs together, but you are not broken. You don't need fixing. I love you more than anything. And you are going to achieve so many amazing things in your life as well.
1: Wow. Okay. I'm leaving it there because you can't beat that. Thank you so much, Anna. We don't know what spaces and crowds are shut down. I'm
0: overstimulated. Nobody gets it. Say I'm too sensitive. I can't listen because I am the exits. It's mine. Isn't mine. Am I to judge? Oh, I should be fine But it's all too much I get overwhelmed so easily My anxiety creeps inside of me Makes it